Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup, and I am the host du jour, Pam Marvin. So happy to be back in the saddle. Uh, Last time, I was a little preempted by the snowmageddon, as if you might recall, the rolling blackout. So I was unable to come to you live and had to postpone my wonderful guest that I'm really looking forward to, to interviewing on the second half of the show. It is Father Thomas Daly, who recently put out a book from Sophia uh, Press, um, Behold His Heart, St. Francis de Sales' Devotion to the Sacred Heart. And Thaddeus, as you know, I have such a, a, a grand devotion. It was just such a blessing to me to to come across the Sacred Heart Devotion and tend to get this book has been a real treasure. So I'm very excited about it. Well, you it. know, a few years ago, we had the, um, I don't remember the guest's name right now, but we had a, a woman that you interviewed about uh, creating the Sacred Heart altar in the in the home. That's correct? right. Right. The, yes. Uh, the concept, enthronement. The enthronement. Uh, and I know you. And that's kind of where I first learned about your your devotion to to the Sacred Heart. And so mm-hmm. I just felt like this was a, a perfect. It's Perfect a great, it's a great fit. So just to give you guys a little teaser about the second half of the show, listen to what Father Mike Schmidt said after reading this book, because it's like, wow. And I, you know, after having looked at it, I'm like, yep, he's got it down very well. He, Father Mike says, this book unfolds layer by layer the depths of devotion to the heart of Jesus in a way that I have never seen before or even considered. I am truly grateful for Father Daly for his for this work. It is a true revelation. Now, isn't that so? That's so like Father high Mike praise. Schmitz learned something from reading yes, this book. Yes, so right. Saying something. The whole way that we'll talk about it more in the second half of the show. Um, we'll get that's what it's about. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before we go into that, I want to talk some more about this. All these cool things that are going on here at the radio station. Yeah, well, if I can, can I uh, back you up a little bit on on air and let's let's say our prayer to Saint Joseph, <sighs> yes, since it is the year do. of Saint Joseph, and yes. go ahead and lead us through that. Okay. Pam. Oh, bless Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer Jesus Christ, protector of your chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God. I choose you this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor you all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly call on you to receive me as your adopted child, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, and to obtain for me all the knowledge and love of the sacred heart of Jesus, and finally to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yes. How perfect is that for today? Thank mm-hmm. you for recalling that and bringing it to the sure. forefront of my attention. I just sure. love old St. Joseph. I have a 
several years ago, I got a sleeping St. Joseph statue <laughs> for prayer intentions to go under his head. Have you seen that one? I have. I, have. I, I thoroughly enjoy that one. It gives me lots of comfort. And the, the, the primary um, prayer I've had in that, since you know I have four girls and one boy, right? Um, I have the prayer intention to St. Joseph for holy men in my family. Mm-hmm. That's those that I've that are in my family and those that will be in my family. So good old St. Joseph, I know you've got our backs. Yes, indeed. Indeed he does. And, and there's uh, one of the great things about the fact that this is a year of St. Joseph is uh, with the Pope's declaration of that holy year, even praying a simple prayer like that, which normally would just carry with it a, um, a partial indulgence. You have a plenary indulgence there when you pray with devotion and you, and you um, do all the other uh, necessities that go along with an indulgence. So, you know, receiving the Eucharist within uh, a reasonable amount of time from praying that prayer, going to confession, uh, being in a state of grace and having a no attachment to sin. That's, that's a big that's one. The, Is that's, that possible? That's the tricky one. That's the, that's the hard one. That's where you really need a lot of grace from the sacraments, but pray that prayer. Plenary indulgence is there for you. And that's, that's the remission of uh Temporal punishment for sin that's already been forgiven. That's right. Okay? Don't don't let somebody tell you that oh we Catholics have get out of jail free cards from indulgences that mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. get an indulgence and your sins are forgiven. That's not that's not the They're case. They're forgiven. They're already forgiven through the sacrament of confession. Right? Yes, but we still have to have penance for it as right. well. Right. So this also says which you know I. Terry Lipscomb and Judy Como mm-hmm. are such great devotees to holy souls. I had, didn't know this about this will also says you can offer this indulgence, especially for a deceased family members released from purgatory. That's right. Wow. That's right. Wow. That's mm-hmm. really huge. So wonderful, uh, wonderful aspect of our, of our faith that teaches us that the body of Christ that extends through space and time. It's not yes. just here mm-hmm. on earth in this moment. Mm-hmm. It's, the church triumphant in heaven, the church suffering in purgatory, and we're united with all those souls who have lived throughout the ages and and the ages to come. You know, since we said that, I really want to say I want to offer that prayer for my deceased brother-in-law, Jeff Davis. His son, he's been he's been gone now for 23 years, but his son got married on Sunday. Mm. It was a beautiful event, and he was greatly missed these 23 sure. some odd years later. So I want to offer that prayer for his soul. Yeah, and I want to remember my wife's Aunt Sandy, who passed away recently, just in the last few days. Uh, God rest her soul. For the, for the repose of her soul, amen. Amen. Now, so well, let's now go on to... Well, we're still talking about holy men in the family, yeah, right? Still talking about St. Uh, Joseph, right? That's right. And, we were ta- and you mentioned Judy Como, and she, she and I put our heads together and thought, you know, because of the circumstances we're living in right now, it, it uh, appeared uh, at the beginning of the year that there was not going to be a public St. Joseph's table here in Bryan College Station, which is a really, really important Sicilian tradition Absolutely. and a way of honoring St. Joseph. And so we thought, you know, let's put out some some uh, videos to help people do this devotion, this tradition in their own home, especially if they don't even know what it is. They've never been to one. They have no They're idea what amazing, it is. Right. And uh, so we thought we'll just take some little elements of it because there's weeks and lots of helping hands that go into putting on a, a public St. Joseph's table in, in the neighborhood, you know? 
And so we called it crumbs from the table, sort of uh, hinting at uh, Christ's exchange with the woman in the gospels about mm, the crumbs falling yes. from the, from the table. Um, and so these are some little pieces of this tradition and we did a, a video for each one. So we give you an introduction, uh, the setting up the home altar, the breads, the saints, uh, a tradition called the tupa tupa. And what? then the, uh, you got to go to, you got to okay. go to YouTube to find out. And then the, uh, the meal. So we've got, um, four of the six videos are there now and they're at our YouTube channel, um, which you can get a link to that on our in our Facebook page, um, and go check it out and go subscribe when you get there because if we get more than a hundred subscribers, once we get to more than a hundred hundred subscribers, we can request a custom URL instead of having a URL with a bunch of letters and numbers after it that's impossible to remember. So is the series already finished? The series is already finished, okay. but uh, we still got two more videos to, uh, to debut. Very for good. You, but four of them are there. And so you're pretty much going through breaking down what each thing means. So I've been to one. And we kind of show guys. you how you can, how you can do it on this smaller scale. That's if really good because the, the last on. one I went to was uh, several years ago. The only one I'd ever been to. And it was such an amazing moment. Um, and it had been, you know, many, many women had worked on it. It was yeah. huge. I mean, it was just unbelievable. The, the pastries, the, the breads, the artisan work that went into it, mm-hmm. right down to the fava bean and mm-hmm. things like this. We so, talked about the fava bean in one you, of the episodes, yeah. Yeah, it's such a beautiful, amazing um, celebratory event. So you yes. know what? As Catholics, we are a celebratory, joyful people. And yes. so I'm so thankful that we have good old St. Joseph's Feast coming up there on Friday. Yeah, and, and another way that we're kind of uh, to celebrate St. Joseph's Feast Day St. Patrick's Day today, kind of right in between those two feast days, is we are debuting a new show on our airwaves. Tomorrow, 11 a.m., we're bringing the Catholic Man Show, speaking of holy holy men. I think these guys, they're making at least a, a good effort at being at being holy and trying to encourage other men to be holy. But uh, Adam Minahan and David Niles, who are up there in Oklahoma with St. Michael's Catholic Radio, they've been doing this program for about Oh, five years now. Um, and it's continues to grow in popularity. And we thought, you know, it's, it's a good time to, to put it on our airwaves, um, put it in front of the men in our listening areas. And, uh, we're going to move Forte Catholic to Saturday, uh, at 5 PM. And it's going to be, we think it's going to be in a slot more for, um, high school age kids, maybe, college age, people who would be more inclined to maybe have some time to listen to that rather than being in school or in class at that time. So we thought, let's let's try that out. So Forte Catholic, it's still here on Red Sea Catholic Radio. We love Taylor Schroll. We're glad to see the success that he's having, but we're moving his show to Saturdays at 5 p.m. Excellent. So we're yeah. going to have the Catholic Man Show on Thursdays at 11 a.m. now. What a great fit for Red Sea Radio, just as domestic religious education for the domestic church. Right. 
And here we are talking about dads or men in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. being holier and the leaders that we so desperately need yep. in today's culture and society. So I'm really excited. I've actually listened to it quite a bit because I just found some great nuggets, follow them on Instagram and things and have for a while because mm-hmm. they just they turn out some really great content. Yeah, they do. And they're they're um, they're they're good guys, fun guys to work with. They they showed up for us and um, did a kind of a special podcast episode for the SEAT conference that was here in January. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how we got reconnected with them because Focus asked us if we could help them fill out some of their um, some of their local content time for the the SEAT conference that was at the Good Shepherd Chapel. And so we we hooked up with uh, David Niles and Adam Menahan again, and they they did a show just for the students that were there at the SEAT conference. So that Very was cool. that was pretty neat. Very cool. Well, we got to talk a little bit about St. Patrick's since it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I've done a little research. You don't have any uh you don't have any green on. I don't. I, you know I just don't have green. Oh, Thaddeus has it in his tie. Just Good job. A few stripes in my tie. I usually say, "Well, my eyes are green. Does that count?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. Yeah. Well, I have done a little research on St. Patrick, and there are two pieces of trivia that I did not know. Okay. About it. So you're gonna quiz me on the air? Ah, uh, okay. Where was Saint Patrick from? Saint Patrick was from England. He was. He was British and he was not Irish. I did yes. not know that. Then he was sent to the continent to be ordained, right? And then he was sent as a missionary. I think back to England, is that right? And then he was kid wasn't he he was kidnapped, he was kidnapped and enslaved. That's how it started. He was kidnapped um as a child. That's right, that's right. As a child and was in in Ireland, I believe, during his slavery. He yes. was there for quite some time. Yes. I think he became a priest in Britain. Yes. Before he said in he never wanted to go back. He never intended to go back to to Ireland. Um, that just wasn't his plan because <laughs> he had such bad memories of that. But yeah. he kept having dreams about he was being called back there. Mm. And the other thing I didn't know. Like sleeping St. Joseph. He was having dreams, there being communicated to in his yeah. dreams. Okay. That, uh, you know, there's a big thing about he drove out the snakes. Well, there aren't actually any snakes in Ireland. So it actually probably was a reference to getting rid of paganism, mm-hmm. you know, as the mm-hmm. snakes, which I thought was fascinating because I'd always heard that too about him driving out the snakes. So there's no, uh, there's no sort of biological evidence that snakes have ever been in Ireland. Is that what you're, is that what you're saying? Oh, don't quote me on that, but they're saying yes, because it's so landlocked, there's nothing native. There was nothing native to Ireland right. as snakes. I mean, they may have been reduced much later, but that was about it. Well, I think it wraps up this first part of the, the Red Sea Roundup for today. And again, I'm looking so forward to talking with um, Father Thomas Daly on his latest book from Sophia Institute Press, Behold His Heart.
Well, welcome back to this episode of Red Sea Roundup. I'm so glad that you could join us today. I am your host, Pam Marvin, and joining me is Father Thomas Daly to talk about his new book, Behold This Heart. And let me tell you just a little bit about Father. He is a priest in the religious congregation of the Oblates of St. Francis de Sales, He holds the John Cardinal Foley Chair of Homiletics and Social Communications at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and is a current member of the Academy of Catholic Theology. In the realm of the Salesian Studies, he has authored Live Today Well from Sophia Press, Praying with Francis de Sales, St. Mary's Press, and contributed chapters to several academic books written a dozen articles on pastoral journals and published numerous commentaries for news agencies and websites. He is a member of the Catholic Speakers Organization, and he frequently offers conferences and retreats based on the Salesian spirituality. So welcome, welcome, Father Thomas. Thank you very much, Pam. It's nice to be with you. It is so good to have you. So I, I want to um, kind of introduce this book. What struck me most was how different it is. It's not like a theological book. It's more of a prayer companion. So if you could just give us some history on how you came about to, you know, kind of accumulate this knowledge as well as this is a book that needs to be written. So just give us a little bit of history of how you got to that point. Sure. The, um, the real inspiration or genesis for the book was the celebration of a jubilee year uh, that ended last October, I think. Um, Anyway, it was last year. Basically celebrating the centenary of the canonization of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, Mm -hmm. St. Margaret Mary known as the Apostle to the Sacred Heart. So the Sisters of the Visitation of Holy Mary, which is the religious order of which St. Margaret Mary was a nun, were celebrating throughout the world a year of jubilee to mark this 100th anniversary. And so that became the impetus for me to spend the year uh, writing this book and trying to highlight the tradition in a way that was not simply being a prayer book or not simply a, a devotional aid, but putting it in the bigger context of the legacy of St. Francis de Sales and the emphasis on the the heart in that spiritual tradition. So it's a little bit of theology or a little bit of history and, and that, as you say, uh, ultimately it is a devotional guide. It's quite beautiful. I, I just want to briefly let our listeners know the way it's broken down is part one, part two, and part three. Um, part one being the Salesian backstory Part two, the Salesian Prayer. So can you tell us a little bit more about the Salesian Prayer? Right. Francis de Sales uh, is famous for having written the book called Introduction to the Devout Life. It's a book that, uh, amazingly, has never been out of print in more than 400 years. Wow. And in that work, he tries to, um, well, the basic thesis of the work is that every single one of us is called to a life of holiness. So holiness is not something just for, as I saw, as I say, the the professional holy people, the monks and the nuns and bishops and popes and that that grouping of folks. But it's really something to be lived by every everyone. 
Um, and so in that book, he tries to teach people what he calls mental prayer or what we would call meditation. And he does so by emphasizing the place of the imagination. So, you know, it's a powerful faculty that, that we have in our minds and our, and our hearts. We, we, we picture things. And so considering those pictures, in this case, pictures from the Gospels or you know, holy pictures, the, the picture of the heart of Jesus, uh, we are then moved to affections in our heart. So the mind connects to the heart, which ultimately connects to the will. And so the third part of praying is making resolutions to put into practice what we've prayed about. So it's imagining or what he calls considering, uh, letting my heart be touched, and then figuring out a way to put that into practice. In a nutshell, that's meditation for Francis de Sales. And because it is so, so much based on uh, this, this picturing faculty that we human beings distinctly have, um, the picture of the sacred heart becomes a key to praying and to, and to changing our lives. That's quite beautiful. Um, some of our listeners may not be very familiar with imaginative prayer, which is, a, you've explained it to some extent, but could you like expand on it just a little bit more for our listeners? Because I think sure, that's a beautiful sure. part of this devotion. Sure. Um, the, the idea is uh, first to um, picture or imagine. Um, the easiest way to do that is to take a story from the gospel and to picture it to ourselves, to picture the characters, to to sort of actually hear them say the words that are being said, uh, to to um, put ourselves into the midst of the scene as if we were there. So, what do we hear? What do we what do we sense? What do we see? What are you know? What is what are these apostles like? What is Jesus doing? Who's sitting down? You know, all of that kind of make it real for ourselves. And then letting the spirit touch our hearts with what is this picture doing to me? So let's take an example that has nothing to do with the book, but it comes to mind. Um, the recent story, the gospel story of Jesus cleansing the temple. I mean, that's a pretty vivid movie scene. So what if we were there when, when Jesus walked in and, and, and formed the whip out of cords and started overturning tables and, and smashing things and running people out? And I mean, that's a, it's a hectic, chaotic, almost fearful kind of thing. What would that do to me? Would it, would it, would it scare me? Would, it, you know, would I want to cheer, cheer on Jesus? Would I run away? You know, what does the picturing do to my heart? Mm. that's the key because it's in, in moving my heart. That's the work of the Holy spirit. Um, that's where God is speaking to us. So once my heart is moved, what does, what does that then do for my life? Um, how am I going to change? How am I going to, to act today as a result of that? That's the third part. So picturing, being moved and doing something with it would be the three simple ways I would explain it. Right, right. Being moved to virtue, to be more like mm -hmm. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Father Thomas, this is uh, Thaddeus Romanski. I spoke with you on the the phone the phone earlier. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about for people. What is the Catholic understanding of the heart? We're talking about the sacred heart of Jesus. You're, you're just speaking about our heart being moved. What do Catholics mean when they say the heart? Well, okay, I would, I, I would parallel it to what, what St. Francis de Sales means by that, which is a, a much broader notion than we think of today. You know, we have a sort of scientific mentality about us. And so we think of the heart as that bodily organ inside my chest, pumping mm-hmm. blood through my body, right. which of course it is. But in the, the, the classic sense of the term, the heart encompasses all that is distinctive about being human. So the heart is the place of, yes, feeling and emotion and affection but it's also the, 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 the seat of the will. It's also where, um, you can think of it this way, it's where we make the most important decisions we make. Um, it's that, that interiority of human beings that makes us something so much more than a machine, um, that makes us distinctively human. The heart is the, is the centerpiece, not just physiologically, but personally, um, that's where I am most me in my heart. Mm. You can see that, for instance, in, in just the idea that, you know, people, people do what they love. People do what, what, what touches them. People make decisions based on that, you know, life, lifelong kinds of decisions and, 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 and uh, the significant moments in life are, for the most part, moments of the heart whether that's a, a positive emotion or a negative emotion. Um, and, and so the understanding of the heart is, would be equated more with the person than the physical organ beating within me. Right. Father, if you don't mind, I'm going to add kind of my personal experience, having had this devotion now for quite some time, um, I've also done shows on enthronement of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in your home, so I, I have a big devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I often recall it as the throne of God within me is my heart, where he is there. And mm-hmm. is this a beautiful place for Jesus to reside? And that's kind of like the focus when I'm thinking about how to live better. Would you say that that's really in line with this devotion? Oh, very much so. I mean, if you think about it, what, what makes us to be alive? It's our mm-hmm. beating heart. Well, that beating is, is the act of God within us, or as you put it, the throne of God within us. That, that's, what, that's what makes us to exist. That's what, that's what makes us alive. That's what makes us more than just, just a clump of cells and, and, and bones and tissues and all that other stuff that's there. Right. Um, it's that, that aliveness that is really evidence of God, because I'm not making my heart beat. I'm not the one, you know, choosing to make it beat. It, it, it's, it's, it's coming from somewhere else, and we believe that somewhere else is the, the influence and the act of God. So yes, very much so. That's, that's very in line with, with the idea that God resides in my heart. 
One of the meditations um, comes in part three, the meditation, the encouraging heart of Jesus. I'd like to, of course, during this time that we're living in and this crazy, crazy time that we need that kind of encouragement from our Lord. And so I, if you wouldn't mind just doing some reflection on this meditation for us, it says, you know, on the remedy of fear. So if you would just take a few minutes and talk about Jesus' heart as being that encouraging heart. Sure. The, um, you know, again, following the the methodology, if you will, of Francis de Sales and praying mentally. What the book does, and in, partic- in this particular chapter, is looks at a story in which something of the heart of Jesus is revealed. So in this story, I chose um, the famous story of Jesus walking on the sea. And um, again, sort of picturing what's happening, picturing the storm, picturing the the fright of the apostles, you know, how afraid would I be? I would be petrified personally if a, a, a boat is rocking back and forth, and, and that's just not <laughs> not for me, so to speak. Um, I was never a deep sea fisherman, um, and, and 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 so you can you can you can almost experience the fear, and then you know the disciples see Jesus walking across the water. Well, how would I react to that? I would probably be scared. Again, all of those emotions, those affections. But Jesus simply says, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. And that that one line um, changes everything in the story. Um, you know, Jesus is there, he gets in the boat, the storm calms down, everything's okay. Well, wh- what do we take from that? Um, can we... Uh, in a sense, agree with that? Can we, can we consent to that? Can we say, all right, stop in the midst of this crazy world and, and the craziness of my day and all that's going on and say, all right, take heart, um, you know, be encouraged. Jesus is here and just kind of calm down. Um, that, that's the power of the spirit and the working of the spirit within me, this this notion of, of, of taking heart of, of, um, you know, it's, it's a phrase that we, that we commonly use, take heart, um, be of good cheer. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, young people would nowadays say chill. Yeah. Um, and, and it's that sense of, okay, if I know in my heart that Jesus is here with me, then no matter how bad the storm around me is in my heart, I'm going to be okay because of him. Um, and that, beca- that becomes, uh, what I'm, what I meditate about, that becomes the, the movement, if you will, in, in the meditation. Um, and, and Francis de Sales, what I, what I do in the book is then I, I offer um, some additional thoughts about that based on the other writings of Francis de Sales. And one of the big things that he writes about is anxiety, which mm. every one of us knows, every one of us experiences, uh, some folks to a really kind of paralyzing way. We worry yes. about things, mm-hmm. um, which is what the, the gospel story is about, worrying. Um, and, and, and Francis has, has a clear understanding that the great problem with anxiety and worrying is that it creates a spiral that can easily go out of control. Um, 
and I tend to worry about things that I don't have any control over. Uh, I worry about the weather. I worry about the stock market. I worry about you know, these things that, that I can't control. And so that very idea that, that I can't control it is what, what makes me so frustrated and worrisome and anxious. Um, and I, and I, and I, the more I think about it, the more worried I get about it. And so that's when he would say, you know, stop, um, take heart, because even in the midst of all that, which I cannot control, what I can realize and should realize is that Jesus is with me. And right. if I can remind myself of that, then the spiral of worrying stops or at least slows down. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and that's how I get on with life. I really see him saying to us, you know, take my heart, you know, in a way, Mm -hmm. you take heart, take Mm -hmm. my heart. Um, I've long really held that uh, he wants, obviously, for us to have that deep peace within us. And that's the center of it will be there in our hearts in that peace of heart. Right. And so I think that's that also is a kind of another layer of that taking heart It's taking Mm -hmm. his heart, replace it with that peace that you can't talk about taking heart and divorcing it from the trust in the Lord. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So it's his trust and that goodness. And that is very, very encouraging. It is telling us just to slow down deep, you know, breathe deeply, take his heart Mm -hmm. and, and be attached Mm -hmm. to his and not our own in a way with all of our human frailties. Mm-hmm. That, exactly. certainly, that certainly is a, a remedy for fear. Well, you know, during this time of Lent, you also have the troubled heart and the broken heart. Either one of those, Father, if you'd like to take a minute for to talk about <laughs> his troubled, well, there's so much in Lent, so you may want to go through maybe the broken heart of Jesus, because I was... Uh, speaking with a group of people. And I say, you know, you really better be careful if you ever pray the prayer, Lord, break my heart for what break your, breaks yours. Just like the, the praise and worship song that is so beautiful is break my heart for what breaks yours, because he will, he'll show you what's breaking his heart. So why don't we just start with that, you know, on the woundedness of Jesus. Sure. And, and the idea here, uh, of course, comes from the, um, you know, what we believe about Jesus, that not only was he fully God, but he was fully human. And so just like all of us, you know, whose hearts are are wounded or broken or just generally hurt on various occasions, uh, we see in the gospel stories that his was as well. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, the gospel story of Lazarus dying, his good friend Lazarus. And Martha and Mary, you know, saying that Jesus, if you had been here, you know, everything would have been okay. And 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 we hear in the gospel about Jesus weeping. Well, that's that's the heart pouring out, pouring out of of our eyelids. Um, or Jesus weeping over the city of Jerusalem. You know, he he himself experiences the frustration and pain and mourning and and all of those those very real things that, that we human beings experience. And so to say that, that Jesus wept mm. um, is really to highlight his humanness. Yes. Um, 
and and so if we you know we obviously we think of Jesus as God, and that in in thinking that way it almost separates Jesus from us because we're not God. Um, but but this is meant more to to draw Jesus closer that 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 even God experienced the the the, the pains of the heart uh, that that we experience and so the point Francis de Sales is trying to make is that even those things that that appear to be negative or painful or hurtful experiences uh, those wounds of the heart as, as we describe them. Um, even those uh, can be moments when we are united with God, uh, who also experienced those those very same things. And so, um, you know, the, the the tears that we cry, um, so did Jesus, uh, the, and and that that expresses the heart of a person. Um, and, and the care that a person has. I mean, we wouldn't cry if we didn't care. Um, we wouldn't weep, I should say, if we didn't really deeply care about someone or something. Um, and, and so to look at the, the tears, the weeping, especially the, the, the tears of Jesus, um, it, it becomes an expression of how much God cares. And to sit with that, to think about that, to picture that, um, that that becomes a source of great uh, great movements of our own heart, thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, as it comes to mind, one of the the my moments in, in my life was I, I lost a very very close friend at the early age of forty two uh, to brain cancer, and then on my journey, you know, I was so sorrowful, but I kept you know I was really working on being just resolved and surrendered to the holy will of God and wanting to, you know, be okay with it. Right. But Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit really did remind me, well, wait a second, Pam, Jesus wept too. You know, these human emotions are real and, um, it's okay. Cause I I kept thinking, well, if I was holy enough, I wouldn't cry because I'm embracing God's will enough. But indeed he gives us that beautiful example that you just, referred to that he wept and he he felt those emotions right. and exactly and so the richness of human experience is what Jesus lived and every human experience every movement of the heart whether joyful or painful um is part and parcel of who we are and therefore part and parcel of our relationship with God it's beautiful. If you're just tuning in, we're talking to Father Thomas Daly on his new book, Behold This Heart. And I want to add, too, to the listeners, Father, I love, as we were talking earlier about all the imagery that is in the book, or we were talking about imaginative prayer and, and images mm-hmm. to pray with, the book is just filled with some beautiful, very inspiring art that we can um, also kind of contemplate and just kind of dive into as we pray with this book um, as well, is just learn more about this beautiful devotion. So what gave you the yes, inspiration, and, and, and how I did you think, choose all of that? That's amazing. It, it's, my, it's my thought that the imagery, whether it's art or statues or however, whatever medium, but it, it's really the imagery that has made this devotion so universally popular. I can see it. I can picture the heart. Um, 
and various artists have have pictured it in different ways. And so I can, you know, that that first step of praying, that picturing or imagining is is there, you know, often in vivid color for me. That's why we have the, uh, as you mentioned, the enthronement of the Sacred Heart in one's homes so that there's an image of it there that I can see as I come and go uh, each day, that I can be reminded of, that I can then enter into prayerfully. Uh, it, 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 it's really a devotion I have found that is founded on and supported by the imagery of the Sacred Heart. Yes. I, I Again, I have such a fond devotion. It's like a little... Um, bit of trivia for me, I had a, you know, I, I drink a lot of water and I have this huge tumbler and a friend of mine said, Oh, Pam, I found this beautiful, um, it was a decal and it actually has sacred heart, immaculate heart, and then it has Joseph's heart, the three hearts together, which I thought was really beautiful. And so I had it like put on my cup and just made a really big deal of it because I, I do, I just, I feel a sense of love every time I do see a picture of, you know, sacred and immaculate hearts, usually together as, as our lady said at Fatima, we'd like to see them together often as well. So do you have a favorite? I mean, I don't think I could possibly possibly choose a favorite um, image <laughs> of the heart. But I do, I'm a particularly fond of the ones that are more anatomically correct, if you can say. I love to see the big <laughs> sure. aorta hanging out and the, you know, I'm just, I'm a little more graphic <laughs> in that in- instance. And so what about you? Do you have well, one yeah, that, that you, you kind of lean that, towards? That's not surprising for our age. I yeah. mean, that's how we think. Um I don't know that I have, that, that one would really uh, stick out as a favorite, although I really do like the one that they put on the cover of the book, uh, mm-hmm. which is that, you know, sort of anatomical uh, picture with the, the sword piercing the heart of Jesus and the blood flowing forth uh, and the flame of love coming from it. Um, that's kind of the kind of the imagery that that inspired St. Margaret Mary and to see it in bright living color. Um Father Thomas, for sure. could could you just take a minute or so and and talk through the the imagery of, of the kind of classic uh, Sacred Heart image? What what some of the symbolism is there to to represent and, and make us think about? Absolutely. Um, the there are some great studies done on the evolution of the imagery of the Sacred Heart, and it oh, has okay. changed through the centuries. Okay. Um, St. Margaret Mary, who, to whom Jesus appeared and revealed his heart, first kind of sketched what, what she pictured. And it was um, the, the typical sort of representation of the gospel story of the piercing of the heart of Jesus. So it, it, it's an anatomical kind of image uh, with, with a hole in the side, um, which, which is a hole which is an entire spiritual tradition of entering into the wounds of Jesus. Um, so the anatomical kind of heart, or the anatomical kind of image is certainly a prevalent one. Uh, over time, that, that was separated from the person of Jesus, so that all we have is the heart, uh, focusing on its, its suffering. If, if you know, the, the picture of the sword piercing it is, is included, um, the, the sort of pulsing, if you can get that sense from it. Um, 
again, I'm I'm really conflating this history here, but then as as, as uh, time went on, the the heart was uh, more closely associated with the person of Jesus. So images of it, you know, would would be of 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 Jesus with his heart, you know, pointing to his heart, or or sort of an opening in his body where his heart's kind of kind of back inside him, so to speak. And and that kind of emphasized the the resting in Jesus um, sensibility to 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 uh, to prayer or to the Spirit, um, okay. the enthronement of the heart uh, with the crown of thorns around it. Another another point of emphasis that this is this is the heart of hearts. This is the this is the King of Hearts, if you will. Um, so whether pictured by itself, whether pictured in, in, in the full person of Jesus, um, whether, whether pictured with sort of, you know, great anatomical detail, and, and some of them were, and they, you know, they got, you know, they were so detailed, they would, they would scare little children, um, you know, because it's blooding, sort of blooding guts, if you will. Um, there are all kinds of variations that, again, um, reflect the artist's uh, emotion uh, and affection and kind of call forth, um, you know, consolation. Uh, It's the heart of love or suffering. You know, it's the heart that was pierced or peacefulness. It's the heart where I can rest or triumph. It's the heart that that lives on forever. Um, There's all kinds of uh, variations on what the heart represents and what what it seeks to incite in us. That's beautiful. Thank you. That was that was a fascinating tour through um, art history and uh, devotional history in just a few minutes. That was very good, Father. Um, yeah, and I, and I tried to uh, in, in the in the book where I explain the power of the imagery of the heart uh, and where uh, Sophie Institute has inserted. Uh, many of the various images and paintings of the Sacred Heart. Um, you know, I, I, I walk through in a bit more detail how and why the images changed over the over the centuries. Now, can I, uh, since we're talking about the kind of the evolution of that imagery and that devotion of the Sacred Heart through time, I've I've often wondered about this, and I'd like to hear what what you have to say for contemporary Catholics. You know. The divine mercy devotion is very uh, popular, and mm-hmm. many people are are involved in it. Is there um, how can how can we kind of put the the put a devotion to the Sacred Heart with a devotion to the divine mercy of, of Jesus kind of together and and not have in our uh, our minds maybe that it's a simplistic notion, but a competition between the, the two devotions. Um, we're, we're trying to, gl- yeah, to grow pl- closer to the same person, but um, I think you can understand what I mean. Right. right. I, I, I do. And, and they, they're certainly complementary. They're, they're not in opposition to one another. And, and I think the, um, when we talk about the divine mercy, um, that, I think is more, it tends to be, not, it isn't necessarily, but it tends to be more, um, how I want to say this, uh, decisional in nature. God has mercy on me. Mm. At least I pray God has mercy on me. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so there's a there's a kind of judgment, there's a kind of decision, there's a kind of uh, peace that comes from knowing God forgives me. Um, mercy is that um, active decision consequence kind of thing. Okay. The sacred heart is more the affection that goes along with that. The heart is the is the reason behind God's mercy. The heart is the expression of God's mercy. Um, the heart is what inspires God's mercy. In the in, in you know again two sides of the same coin may be a way of looking at it. But the, the, the mercy of God as, as a notion uh, and as a reality, of course, um, comes from the sacred heart, is expressed in the sacred heart, um, is pictured in the sacred heart. Where is God's mercy greatest when he pours out his own heart for me? Mm. Um, in, in that respect, I'd say that the devotions are complementary. Um, I think they just they just emphasize a different aspect of being human, uh, that 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 heartfelt, uh, emotional, affective side of 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 who we are, the Sacred Heart, mm-hmm. and that uh, mental understanding and 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 the will and my decisions that uh, so often need and benefit from God's mercy. Well, you know, I can't believe how, how fast this has flown by. There's really less than 10 minutes for us to finish up. So I really wanted to um, talk to our listeners who perhaps are, are new to the Sacred Heart Devotion. And let's give them some ideas of uh, how to get started, if that's something they want to look further into. There's many, many things that we can do. And I'm happy to share my adventure with the Sacred Heart, how it first started. But sure. if you could talk about, Father, like just... For a newbie, one of the first things you can do is buy the book. Buy the book. (laughs) And where can they buy the book? Yes, Father, buy the book at. No, I'm uh, I'm I'm kidding with that. One of the first things you can do, um, really, is you know find information about the devotion. I mean, there there are various aspects to the devotion, which include um, making a holy hour spending an hour in prayer before the Blessed Sacrament, um, saying prayers in a repeated way. The, the novena to the Sacred Heart is nine days of a prayer to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, whether it's nine consecutive days or the, the, the tradition is um, you know, go, going to Mass or going to, a, going to a church and saying prayers on the nine consecutive first Fridays. Yes. Uh, that's the ancient tradition. That's how um, I started, Father. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, there, there, are, there are prayers specific to the Sacred Heart. There are litanies to the Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. And actually, um, all joking aside, one of an appendix in the book uh, lists those various um, prayers and devotions and the kind of things that someone can, can actually do 
uh, to enter into this devotion. Right. And, and the one thing I did not know about until I picked up your book, and speaking of those devotional prayers, is a chaplet to the Sacred Heart. I, I was not aware mm-hmm. of that until I picked up mm-hmm. the book. So my sweet listeners, if uh, you're interested in learning more about that, you'll need to to purchase Behold This Heart mm-hmm. by Father Thomas Staley. And you can probably find it at most most outlets. Is, is that it correct? still on Amazon, Father, or has it been uh, canceled? <laughs> uh, as far as I know, it's still there, but that, that's a good point. I better check. <laughs> okay, good. And it's, cer- it's certainly on the Sophia Institute website as well. Right. Yes, yes. So I noticed that it's also in there you have the Anima Christi in there too. So how does that one work in? Because I always thought that was separate. Is that part of it? Can you tell me a little history of how that works into Because it, it obviously does. The prayer of the in, Anima in terms Christi. Of, I'm sorry, I, uh, I didn't quite hear you. Okay, so the, so the Anima Christi prayer you have as part of the devotional prayers for the Sacred Heart. How okay. does how did that come to be in there? Because I always saw it as kind of separate, but it, it, obviously it's not. So can you clue me in on that one? Well, uh, again, uh, the, the, the prayers are not, um, I mean, they're all prayers associated with the Sacred Heart. So certainly the the anima Christi, the, the the soul of Christ, if you will, or the the interiority of Christ is his sacred heart. So, so in a sense, that's the connection. That's really. I've always been very moved, still today, we, um, of that. The anima Christi is such a beautiful one, and that's part of the chaplet, apparently. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a great. So, learning more about it through the book because it does this gets to such a great rundown in general just because I feel like it's just rich in what we can do I mean my personal experience was okay I can do five first Fridays a beautiful way to really start going to daily mass in a very consecutive way um, and it's beautiful and going to confession you know that was one of my triggers okay I can go to confession on first Fridays as well and then I caught on that a lot of people were doing that and the lines were so long <laughs> that I decided I probably needed to start going uh, maybe before or after, you know, because that's part of the devotion, right? Is going to a mass around that time. Isn't that right? I mean, excuse me, going yes. to confession. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, 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 one of the key elements to the devotion was the introduction of a uh, worldwide solemnity of the sacred heart. So when we celebrate the, the solemnity of the sacred heart nowadays, the, the, um, you know, in, in the liturgical calendar. But in addition to that, um, celebrating the Mass of the Sacred Heart, typically on the first Fridays of the month, every first Friday of the month, uh, is, is part of the ongoing tradition. Right. I may, I may need to uh, replay this and rebroadcast this Thaddeus back in, in when this coming June, when it's a, the month of the Thank Sacred you. Heart. I always really try to, to mm-hmm. do something special, you know, about the enthronement. But this book, yeah, if we may need to re- rerun it again. That'll be great. For sure. Uh, Father, we have about three minutes left. I'm going to really put you on the spot here. Um, for Catholics who um, are talking to a non-Catholic, can you give us, an, in a nutshell, why do we have devotions at all what what what's the reasoning behind that being a part of our our religious tradition why why is that a part of our our prayer life if someone's trying if we're trying to explain it to a non-catholic yeah i would simply say um look at all the things we have we busy ourselves about in life we have lots going on lots of things to think about lots of things to do you know places to go people to see that 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 expression 
um, a devotion um, channels uh, or focuses our attention on God in the midst of the busyness of, of life. Uh, it focuses our attention so that we can, with our intention, um, unite ourselves to God in the midst of this, this, this thing we call life. And so we, we, we designate times and focal points and uh, the, things, the kinds of things we can direct our attention to uh, in a very focused way. Uh, so that we can give that attention to God. Excellent. I love that idea of we're, uh, we can be devoted golfers, we can be devoted uh, mm-hmm. card players, uh, but what mm-hmm. should we really be devoted to? And, and this, is, this is no different. It's a way of focusing right. our attention on, on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I have to say, right. my, one of my most right. favorite lines from the litany is... Um, one minute make my heart more like unto thine. I mean, that is, that to me is my launching pad for my contemplation Mm -hmm. and my prayer as that would, that would certainly be ideal. (laughs) Yeah. I I just make my heart more like unto thine, O Lord, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. And really that that's really, I would say increased, um, I don't know, a mercy in my own heart. When you start to really contemplate Mm -hmm. the Lord's heart, it increases your own mercy. So I really appreciate you joining me. If you'd like to pick up his book, you can find it at Amazon. Behold this heart for Father Thomas Staley. Um, I'd love to have you back on again sometime, Father. Would you like that? Thank you, Pam. Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, with that, I um, thank you again so much. And until next time, go and love your neighbor. Oh